You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Greetings, friends. How you guys are doing? You well? Let me give you a chance to, there we go. Um, let's try it one more time. You guys are well? Good morning. Good to see everybody. Welcome. If I don't have the chance to know you, my name is Will Davis Jr. Welcome to Austin Christian Fellowship. Okay, if you weren't aware of that, Jason Gordon, who just led us in worship, John David Vasquez is our worship leader, and he's like global in his influence. His vision is to bring along other worship leaders. Jason Gordon is our online pastor who also has a heart for worship, but what you may not know is the little cute one right here, Abby girl, is Jason's daughter, okay? That's kind of fun to watch those two leading worship together. All right, if uh, you're online, welcome. My name is Will Davis Jr., and we are so glad you're joining us. Thank you for everybody here in the house. It's great to see you. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous day in Austin, Texas. Hope you know that wherever you are in the world. And if any point in the room or online you wanna connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're kind of a non-invasive church, so you can write us and be safe about it. We're not gonna come ask for your social security number or things like that. That's next week. So uh, you can text ACF Connect. The phrase ACF Connect, one phrase, to 512-866-9908, 512-866-9908. And you guys online can raise a hand, ask for information as well, and we'll get to you immediately. We love helping people connect. I may or may not have crashed the video before church that Lauren, our Director of Communications, and Jason were doing, and they were talking about connecting uh, during that video. And so it's very important, especially in the... You know, COVID may be, I don't know what COVID's doing, but it's just a weird world right now. And you just don't wanna be flying solo. Um, you need to be in community. And um, that's why we offer connection every week. Because if it's hard to be isolated in a world like this. It, you really need Christian community. So uh, feel free to reach out. We love you guys and would love to be part of your Christian process. Um, let me pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this great group online and here in this place. Thank you for really beautifully led worship. And um, the reality of your presence in that, there's something that happens. It's bigger than music, God. Um, it's bigger than music. And so um, thank you for that. Thank you for being part of that. I pray you'd humble me. I pray you clear my mind. I pray nothing will come out of my mouth. Lord, I pray what David said. Put a guard over my mouth, like Roman centurions in front of my mouth today, that nothing comes out that's not supposed to. Please. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I got distracted during prayer. Shocker, I know. Um, we're doing a series beginning the first week in November called, I think that we had landed on the title is The Sound. And it's about music and singing and why there's so much power in it. Um, you can go to a U2, you can go to a pick your band concert and um, have an emotional experience with people you do not know because of the power of music. Have you ever wondered why? There's something about music that I think is, I think what happens on earth is a reflection of realities in heaven so we're gonna do three weeks on singing and music and why it's so profound. And I'm gonna be showing you the other side of Will during that series. I'm gonna sing for you a lot during that series. <laughs> Hold your applause, please. Anyway, um, it's gonna be a great series, can't wait. And no, I'm not gonna sing, trust me. 
So we're in a series we're calling Mining for Gold. You guys have been amazing. You've been so supportive and encouraging, and this was obviously the right time for this series here at ACF, and I appreciate the way you've responded to it. And we talked about varying topics, and if you're new to ACF, new online, feel free to go back to the week after Labor Day. We started this series with what a culture of honor is and how God exists in a culture of honor and what is true in heaven needs to be true on earth, et cetera. And let me put the word honor on the screen and the screen and define it for you. It is simply placing value on something. But in, in the sense of honor, it's placing the appropriate value on something. It's a price tag. But it's an accurate price tag. So when you walk in and see, you know, the price on a car or the price on a computer or the price on um, something you're looking at, an iPhone or whatever, you may know there's some markup in that, and it's actually probably, they're probably charging more than it's actually worth at that point. Otherwise, they wouldn't negotiate with you on the price. God never negotiates prices on humans, okay? And we certainly don't negotiate price on God. So all honor is, is, is recognizing the value of something and speaking that. And we're talking about the scriptural um, commands that are multifold to honor each other in Christ, which means we recognize the value of someone. And in the, in the mining for gold concept, we call that out. We talked a lot about this series Lauren Thurston, our director of communications, reminded me when this series started that the cancel culture is all about calling the lack of honor out of people and telling them that you're not meaning anything and you're canceled because you messed up or you're not, you don't agree with the trends of culture and so we're canceling you. The honor culture is just the opposite of that. The honor culture calls the value out of people that's true in every single human. Again, you'll never look into a set of eyes that isn't made the image of God and isn't worthy of honor in some point. Honor is never something you seek for yourself. It's always something you pull out of others. So you guys have been getting this, and it's been fun to kind of hear the honor language creeping into some of your conversations at home and here at church and in small groups and thinking about how it applies to business and employees and, and employers and, and government leaders and Facebook, and oh, there's got a lot of, this has got a lot of tentacles to it. A culture of honor is simply when a group of people choose to live by the honor code that's biblical. There's an honor code that's not biblical. That's about, if you dishonor me, I'm taking you out. Or you dishonor the organization, there's an honor code that's not biblical, it's mostly punitive. And that's not what we're talking about. An honor code that's scriptural is where we choose to defer, we choose to yield, and we choose to promote others over ourselves because they're worth it. It's not fake. We genuinely see the value of others and we choose to promote them over ourselves. And, and we may speak truth and love. We may have conflict. We may have difficulties you're going to, but we try to do that against the backdrop of honor. One of the things we're trying to learn here at ACF and how we function in our meetings and our leadership is always honor the person who's not in the room. So if you get in a conversation and so-and-so comes up and so-and-so is not there, we try to honor them and not, not go on them when they're not there because that's not, that's not honoring to them. The implications of this are huge. So we've talked about honoring leaders. We've talked about honoring the words. Last week we talked about honoring parents. Today I want to talk about honoring marriage, the institution of marriage. Um, it's got lots of weight in Scripture. 
And as I walk into this, I need, to, I need to say a qualifying statement to all of you. Um, this may get a bit salty here in a minute. And I need to tell you that this is a grace-filled room. And if I say things that are hard, then I, please understand I'm not coming after anybody. And I say them with a, a helmet of grace and love and hopefully honor behind it. But we need to talk about what it means to honor marriage for just a minute, as it is one of the things we're in, in Scripture commanded to honor. Okay? You guys good? Red hearts online, please. Okay. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Wow. So I do a daily devotional five days a week called Good News Today. Some of you received that. And I've been teaching, started in about 1848. I've been teaching through Genesis chapters one and two. Way back 100 years ago is when I started, what it feels like. And um, gonna get to, I've actually started recording chapter three, so there is hope. Um, but I'm in this section right now of Genesis. I've been teaching through this, this, the end of creation scene of Genesis chapter two, when, when Adam sees the animals paraded before him and God, in, in honoring Adam, allows Adam to engage in naming the animals. And the scripture says there's no helper found suitable for Adam and the animals. And aren't you glad? And I love to just point that out. That he didn't go, hello, kangaroo. That that wasn't his response. And so he puts, God puts Adam to sleep and pulls from his side a rib and structures that the woman was the only, only creation not made from dust. She was made from humans. She was, she was literally bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And Adam wakes up and goes, wow, that works. And in this, the, the Lord brings Eve and presents her to Adam, which is some of the imagery of where the, the father handing the bride over to the groom comes from. And we've read that text so many times, and I've been teaching through it at such a slow pace. The, the magnificence of that moment has really hit me. The, the power of that woman being handed over to man. And the, the complete innocence and equality of that setting. And what it means. Now, I'm going to go. So I'm going to talk a minute to those of you who are not married. So, if if you're not married in the room, don't feel like you're missing out on something. Um, I've got some words for you in a minute. But I'm for those of you who choose to be married or want to be married or are married. You need to just. We need to trust me in culture. We need to kind of revisit what marriage is meant to be. Is that a safe assumption? I'm going to assume it whether you agree with me or not. Okay. And so. There's this holiness to this scene. Um, before God created the nation of Israel, through whom he would reveal himself to the world in history, before God created the church, the bride, 
of Christ. Before God created any other human institutions, he created marriage and subsequently the family. In the context of creation, the context of setting the tone for human history, I mean, the paint hadn't dried on all that God has been creating, so to speak. He adds in that, oh, by the way, for procreation's sake and for other, many other reasons, Adam needs a counterpart. And his answer to that, this is not good, first time God says that in Scripture, was a woman. Ish, Hebrew word for husband, isha. Hebrew word for female. Ish and isha. Like woman has the word man in it, that's the same thing in, just in Hebrew. Friends, you can't get holier ground. Now, I need this. This is the first ouch. Forgive me. This was a, and, and I just need to say it biblically and let you deal with the implication. This was a male-female monogamous relationship. Period. Period. That shouldn't even be something that I have to, have, have to qualify today. But I do. You can make, you can do, you can, we can put asterisks by marriage and, and say, yeah, but, and we're going to open the definition up. You can do that and deal with that as you choose to. But if you want to be, understand what God created and what God intended and where the, the focus of God's blessing lands. I've, I've joked with you about doing a marriage series called Marriage, an idea whose, idea whose Time Has Come, like again. I know this is, we live in a culture where, where marriage is so redefined. And you have people in your life and I have people in my life that live in different definitions of this. And so this is really hard. But please don't equate cultural adjustment with, with biblical normal Culture is rarely a good cue giver on what's going on with God. And so honoring marriage means embracing what God defined marriage as he's the one who made all this stuff. And he said, look, for procreation, for intimacy, for all these things, for this uh, leaving and cleaving, the next verse, naked and no shame. Here's, here's the boundary I'm gonna set because the institution of the world is gonna be this nuclear unit called family. And it begins with a man and a woman in covenant relationship. And everything flows out of that. The scripture says we are to honor that. We're to put the appropriate value on that. Okay, some people might, this is gonna be a harsh statement. Some people might say that there's been a fire sale going on on marriage for a while. Well, let's, let's, re, let's, re, let's re-elevate marriage to the appropriate level, okay? Sure is quiet in here. Um, Hebrews 13, verse four. I'm just gonna read the first part of the verse. 
you can look it up and read the second half, and I think you should, but here's the first part. So we're going to go, you know, 1,300 years from Moses who wrote Genesis chapter 2 to the writer of Hebrews. We do not know who wrote Hebrews. There's theories. It doesn't matter. But he says in Hebrews 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor by all. Men, women, boys, and girls, married, single, doesn't matter. Honor, marriage. There's the word honor again. And the word honor is placing the appropriate value. Placing the appropriate value on what marriage is. By the way, this is going to get real controversial. Do you know who created divorce? God did. To protect women whose husbands abandoned them and they couldn't work in a male-dominated culture in but one occupation. And so God created an out so they could be remarried. So married, and Jesus said, but it was not this way from the beginning. God never intended for divorce to be what it is. But it was, part, it was written to the law to protect women in a culture where men often took advantage of women and could divorce them for any reason they wanted to. And because women couldn't work to protect their name, God allowed divorce so they could remarry and be provided for. So some of you are in the room listening to me or online listening to me going, you don't understand my story. I, I don't need to. It, some of you are sitting here single today, having been married, and it wasn't your choice. I'm not beating you up in that, okay? God is great at meeting people where they are. I mean, duh. God is really good at meeting people where they are. He probably wants to heal where you've been, but he's really good at meeting you today. Okay? Okay. I feel like this is like there's, you know, in the presidential debates when the audience gets to rate the moments of the messages. I'm wondering what's going on right and it's like, or let marriage be held in honor by all. That's a command for Christians and non-Christians. It's a command for men, women, boys, and girls. It's a command for singles and it's a command for people that are married. Honor marriage. There's the word. Place the appropriate value on marriage. So I'm going to give you two very profound statements um, and talk about them on what it means to, and I'll give you in a few minutes some marriage honoring practices. Get very practical here in a minute, okay? But I want to talk to two groups, okay? So here's the first profound statement. I'm going to talk to the people that are not married, Okay, really profound. If you're not married, don't act married. Is that good or what? Wow. Nothing but the best here at Austin Christian Fellowship for you guys. If you're single, you're called to honor marriage. By the way, singles, don't you hate that term? It implies the, the doubles out there somewhere. 
Um, I need to make this really clear. Single is not a holding pattern you're stuck in until you're married. Okay? Single is not a in the waiting room until you be, can become a real adult by having a spouse. Might I remind you today that the most significant, most influential, most complete human who ever lived wasn't married, never dated, never had a sexual relationship. Born a virgin, died a virgin. We're here gathering in his name. He was a guy. And he never felt the need to go take advantage of some girl. He is the most influential, most complete, most joyous human who ever lived. And so he, he modeled against this cultural, especially in the church world, that somehow you're broken or damaged good, you walk with a limp if you're not married, especially if you've never been married. Like, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with him? That is so satanic and stupid and irritating, and I'm not even single. It makes me mad because, again, read history. Some of the greatest humans who ever lived who had the unbelievable impact and significant joy chose to be single and had significant joy. So I just want to blow this up from the, from the married people's standpoint and from the single people's standpoint. The divisions shouldn't even be there. We need to see humans, not married or single, but it's not a holding pattern. It's not a, well, when you get married, you'll, you'll be complete. There, there are things that happen in marriage that you obviously cannot have in single relationships, but there's plenty of biblical examples and historical examples that you can be extremely complete and extremely fulfilled and extremely productive as a non-married person. So we've got to pull that up. You are also, however, commanded to, to honor the definition of marriage as a single individual. Marriage is still what it is. And whether you're married or not, marriage is still what it is, still a male-female monogamous relationship built against the backdrop of covenant. So one of the ways single people honor marriage is don't act married. Okay? Don't, don't view the, the marriage. He's moving the pulpit. This can't be good. Marriage is not like lubies. Okay, so Luby's was this really cool restaurant that existed forever ago. It was a buffet. And you, you, had, to, you had to show your 65 and older card to get in. The Luann Platter. Let's hear it for the Luann Platter. There you go. 395. All you, okay. 4 p.m. Because you're going to bed at 6. You take your teeth out and you go to bed at 6 p.m. So marriage is not this thing where you go, okay, I want that. Uh, that's ugly. I want that. No, that's not marriage, like Luby's. Macaroni and cheese, green beans. Gosh, so mac and cheese, Luby's, I mean, really, it's heaven. Jello. Colored jello. Yeah, somebody start praying. This is getting way out of hand. I'm stalling because I know where I'm going in this message, and I don't want to get there. So marriage is this, it's not that. And so what couples do today is, well, we want, we want this, but we don't want that. We want to live together. We want to have sex together. We want to share a bank account together, 
But the whole covenant thing, uh, well, yeah, that's the whole ring monogamy thing, or we're gonna try this for a year and see how it goes. And I wish, I'm not talking to people that don't know God, I'm talking to Christians. It is normal, it's just normal now. Almost expected for Christians to act married when they're not. That dishonors marriage. Marriage is what it is. We don't get to redefine it. So Luby style, uh, yeah, that, that looks good, but no, no. No, it is what it is. We don't get to redefine it. So one of the ways we honor marriage is by not acting married. Be okay in the season of life you're in and don't pick and choose there's grace, and if you've made mistakes, God is in the business of forgiving and healing. So you've, you've slept with people you shouldn't have slept with, you've acted married when you should have. Will you let grace just fall on that? Let God heal that? But also then step up to, I'm gonna be a single person who honors that institution. That's, that's a Genesis 2 thing. I'm not gonna act like it isn't. You either believe that Jesus is enough or you don't. And in your singleness, you can find an amazing reality that Jesus is enough. Sex is not something owed to you. It is not a right, it is not an entitlement. You don't have to have it, you will not die. <laughs> the men are going, wow, look at the time. <laughs> okay, now this is the hard part. <sighs> when the, the Texas uh, heartbeat law was passed and, and started in September 1st. We got a lot of pushback from Christians here at ACF because we didn't say anything about it. I'm not on social media. And social media is blowing up with people going after the governor or telling Texas they're idiots or, and people that are pro-choice or just letting Christians have it or letting pro-life um, people have it. It was really ugly. And we were very silent on it. We, just, we, don't, we don't make political statements on Facebook. And our record on abortion and life is really long and clear here at ACF. If you don't know where we stand, just ask around. You'll hear. And so we didn't feel the need to weigh in on this. It's not new for us. It's, it's hot in social media, but we don't take our cues from social media. And I knew that I had this moment coming right now. So here's my two minutes. I'm sure we'll get treated and we treated, tweeted and retweeted, quoted and misquoted, but here's my two minutes. Okay? If you're not willing to spend 18 to 19 to 20 years raising a child with somebody, don't put yourself in a position to have a child with them. The choice isn't to have the baby or not. The choice is not to be involved in an act that can produce pregnancy if you're not ready to deal with pregnancy. Both of you. No one's talking about the out of control sexual culture we're in. Where we watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette for entertainment, knowing that the fantasy suite is coming. And Christians get on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and act like everybody else does. We call it entertainment. And 
Sex produces children. That's what sex is supposed to do. It's, your body did exactly what it was supposed to do. It's not an accident. It's like, if you have sex, there's a really good chance you're gonna get pregnant. So let's make the choice moment not to be sexual with somebody with whom I don't wanna have a child. That just takes all the pressure off because you, guess what? You have enough sex, you're likely to turn it pregnant. And your body will have done exactly what it's supposed to do. And then you and husband and wife, partner, whatever, got to make a choice then. So, so, if we, so if we take that part out, then the abortion issue pretty much goes away with one or two very small exceptions. The choice is not, do I have the child or not? The choice is, am I, am I willing to engage in behavior, which is quite fun and pleasurable, that's likely to produce a baby? If it produces a baby, am I going to be okay with that? If not, I shouldn't be engaging in the behavior. That's where the choice is. So single people don't act married because you're supposed to have children when you're procreating and acting married in that way. The one flesh is meant to yield children. It's a beautiful thing. Your body didn't make a mistake. The mistake is being sexual out of the context of marriage. That's the mistake. Let's own that mistake and repent of that. Okay? Grace, if that's you. But goodness sakes, friend, the baby's not the problem. It's the behavior. And no one wants to hear that. I walked into Waterloo Ice House, shocker, I know, a few weeks ago to meet a family that I needed to meet, and the 16-year-old young man had this on. Same ring I'm wearing. I was like, you're way too young. He said, it's a purity ring. It's a guy. Put this on at a youth thing, and I'm not going to take it off till I get married. I'm married to Jesus. Waterloo Ice House. I'm married to Jesus. It ain't coming off until I find her. Well, that's refreshing. Would you come from Mars yesterday? There's life on Mars. I just discovered it. Friends, that's, that's the biblical norm. And it, the fact that this is so controversial for me to say this today tells you how far we've slipped as a culture. Y'all, this is a biblical truth. And we're going, <gasps> that's how far we've slipped as a culture. If you're not married, please don't act married. You'll honor marriage by being okay in your skin and being single and not taking, doing the Luby's buffet thing of ticket and parts of marriage you want and not those that you don't want, like the covenant part. That comes first. Okay, so if the profound statement number one is if you're not married, don't act married, what's a profound statement number two? If you're married, act married. Isn't this amazing? So I spent minutes working on this, okay? So profound. If you're married, don't act unmarried at that weekend trip to Vegas, that bachelorette or bachelor party, that long night by yourself when the spouse is out, that long weekend by yourself when the spouse is out of town. So marriage is this, this abandoning everyone else and embracing someone irreversibly. 
That person becomes the most important human in your life until one of you dies. And the best attention, the best of our time, the most tests, the most trials, the most challenges will definitely come in that context, but it's also the greatest source of joy. It's not marriage. One of the reasons the animals didn't work for Adam was he needed a peer that he could serve. So one of the beautiful things that happens when Eve shows up, now he's got a peer that he can humble himself in front of. That's what marriage is. As we choose to humble ourselves, we be mutually submitted to each other out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians 5, 21. Before there's any roles given in Ephesians 5, there's this mutual submission. So even roles in marriage have the backdrop of submission to each other. Okay? So Eve shows up, and now Adam's got a peer. And one of the things you do in front of a peer is you humble yourself. And so there's this, there's this, I'm giving you my best until one of us goes to heaven. In the early years, it's, it may be pretty easy because you're young and you look good and, you know, it's a lot of fun. But then as the years or decades go by, there's unconfessed sin, there's hurt, there's bitterness that creeps in, there's weight gain, there's, you know, struggles and there's, then illness comes along and it can be really hard and, you know, there's a lot of cultural drive-bys where, look, no one's going to think anything if you just stray for a minute to meet a need. That's not honoring marriage. Marriage is I'm in with you, period. I love to ask couples that are about to get married, what does getting married give you that you don't already have? And a lot of them say it gets parents off our back. Well, that's maybe not the best reason to get married. Because they're still going to be on your back after you get married. <laughs> so husbands, the most important person in your, in your life is that wife of yours. Mine is Susie. And Susie's to get my best. And my most focus. My most energy. More than ACF does. More than any other person does. And you can have meaningful friendships with people of the opposite sex, but they need to be friendships. And you need to have friendships with people that are all about honoring marriage. I, I hang around with a group of people that always talk about their spouses in a good way. Some of you hang around people that always talk about their spouses in a really negative way. And it's like, who can rag on the spouse the greatest? That's just, that's just not honoring to anybody. But when I'm in an elders meeting, I'm in a leadership meeting here, I'm with some of the guys here in the church, staff and volunteers, those guys just brag on their brides. The women brag on their husbands. And that's, that's how it's supposed to be. I mean, I have friendships with people, but they're, they're telling me how great their marriage is and how great their spouse is. And they're not perfect, but they're like committed. They're acting married. So if you're married, act married. And, and it, that's about being... In the language of scripture, for elders and deacons, a one woman man, or a one man woman. Again, it's not the buffet line. Well, I'm gonna take for my spouse this and this and this, but I'm gonna go get this one over here.
a man and his wife will leave their respective homes and cleave, be glued. And what God has joined together, no man can separate. The cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So if you're married, act it. Act the biblical definition of marriage. Husband, wife, monogamous. You're a one-woman man. You're a one-man woman. Okay, very quickly, honoring marriage, practices that honor marriage. Number one, pray for and with your spouse. The best prayer, the best marriage builder is prayer. Period. When I wrote the book Pray Big and followed up with Pray Big for Your Marriage, the statistic I found was about that 99% of people who pray together stay married. Like it's the greatest marriage protector in the history of the planet. Like if you pray together, you're gonna, be, you're gonna stay married. The divorce rate, let me say it this way, the divorce rate of people who pray together is less than 1%. Like, duh. So if you're not comfortable praying together, work on it. You do a lot of things in marriage you're not comfortable doing. Bring prayer in. Susie and I started doing this when we were dating, and it helped. We started praying together when we were dating, and we carried it into marriage. By the way, good behavior rarely starts in marriage. Whatever you want to be good at, except for, the sec- except for sex, start practicing before you get married. Hold that last one for, till later. Pray for and with your spouse. Secondly, teach and model the Genesis 2 standard of marriage. Teach and model husband and wife. Don't be afraid. You know, people would say, you're going to offend me. Well, I'm, I'm, everybody's offended. I get offended all the time by stuff the other guys are saying about what is right and wrong and where Christians are and how stupid we are. That's offensive to me, so I'm not trying to offend you, but it's, mar- it's marriage what, is what God created. Sorry, it's male and female. Don't shoot me. And it's monogamous. It's not, it's not circular marriage. So we've got to teach that. We're going to model that. Finally, the best advice I can give you, single and married, is be, pursue Jesus above all else. He's the solution, really, to the aches of loneliness and singleness or the aches of loneliness in marriage. Right, so those of you who are single, I had a buddy of mine who was a pastor that got married a year or two before I did, and he said, well, let me tell you what marriage did for me. It basically changed my temptations. He said, when I got, before I was dating my bride, we were dating, I had the temptation to be sexual with her before marriage. Now my temptation is to be sexual outside of marriage. I'm still tempted. It's just the, 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 the angle changed. So it's not, the, it's not the panacea. It's not the cure-all. So that's where Jesus comes in. That's where knowing the Lord and pouring your heart into him and reading the scriptures and saying, God, do that in me. Make me that. Is where I'll be a better husband, I'll be a better wife, I'll be a better single individual, and I will put my desires before him, and I will delight myself in him, and I'm gonna trust him, let him fulfill me, let him use my loneliness or my pain or my frustration in marriage to grow me into him. And, and I'm gonna let, so, so the best advice I can give all of us today of any age group in honoring marriage is pursue Jesus more than you pursue him or her. Guys, my friend Dave Busby used to say, guys make rotten gods. And girls make rotten gods. And then he would say, it's like two ticks and no dog. Got to get that in there. (laughs) 
both trying to get life from each other and there's nothing there. Pursue Jesus. Okay, you've been, you've been amazing. Thank you for listening. This is hard. It's hard because we've slipped so far. And honestly, church, the best word that comes to my mind right now is repentance. Of falling before God as married people or single people and saying, oh God, forgive us for putting asterisks on what you define. Forgive us, Lord, for being party to that. That means you can't love people and be engaged with people and honor people who have different definitions. But we can't apologize for Genesis chapter two. It was the context of creation and setting the norms. Like God defined where the beaches are gonna stop and set the orbits and then he created marriage in the same context. We don't get to, we don't get to, you don't wanna be messing with stuff God put in place. It doesn't go well. Okay. Whew. For those of you online, we pipe nitrous oxide into the room here and people are loaded. I could read the phone book and they'd applaud right now. I'm so sorry. Lord, Lord, we bless you now. In Jesus' name, we trust you. Forgive us, Lord, for asterisks on what you define. What you, you created things and we're gonna redefine it like walking up to Mr. Ford who made the Model T and saying, I think that's a blender, not a car. Like, really? You created marriage and we're going to redefine it. Forgive us, Lord. Our arrogance. Forgive us. But I pray we'll be people who, in the, con in the culture of honor, honor this thing, this beautiful thing you made and approach it with reverence and awe and what you did. And we'll teach our kids and our grandkids what marriage is. I pray for the, the people in the room, married or single, who are really having trouble acting their category. That you help us to pursue you. Because in you is life. In you is life. In you is hope. In Jesus' name, we pray. All right, last thing I want to say to you, I'm looking at the line and the camera and say this. My favorite verse, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, period. That's my favorite verse. You guys online, we'll see you next week.